This is Caps This Morning with John Walton and Ben Raby on Caps Radio 24-7. A lot of goalie talk today as the Caps head to Philadelphia tonight. Carter Hart describes his struggles to the Philadelphia media. And the NHL returns to ESPN for the first time since 2004. Today is Thursday, March 11th. Welcome to Caps This Morning. You're on Caps Radio 24-7. Benny, it's the third meeting of eight tonight between the Flyers and the Caps. The season series is all tied at one and one. And the Caps trying to continue to win hockey games, which they've done a lot here. It was a little bit interesting against the Devils, but it only really matters how many points you get. The Caps get two more on their only home game in nine, and now a two-game start in Philadelphia tonight. And it'll be interesting to see, John, how both the Capitals and Flyers come out tonight. And what I mean by that is both teams coming off 5-4 wins that went beyond regulation and hardly the way either team would have drawn them up. The Capitals, of course, blowing that three-goal lead, eventually the 5-4 win in overtime. Philadelphia Flyers dug themselves a couple of multi-goal deficits against Buffalo, of all teams, ultimately winning 5-4 in extra time as well. So, you know, the Philadelphia Flyers and their goaltending situation, having pulled Carter Hart, Brian Elliott coming on in relief. I imagine they'll be revved up and ready to go. And also looking to extract some revenge on the Capitals, who, of course, dealt the Flyers that 3-1 loss just this past Sunday. So two teams that saw each other very recently just last weekend, a well-played game from a Capitals perspective to complete that road trip. But two teams that I imagine here with this two-game series, both should be, uh, should be amped up to maybe correct a few things internally and should be a good two-game series coming up. I want to talk about John Carlson in a minute as he looks for 500 points in the NHL, and it'll be the 10th active D-man to reach that mark. But sticking with the goalies and starting in the Philadelphia camp, <laughs> Carter Hart met the media yesterday and told them, and listen, I love the honesty, says that I am playing like, well, excrement but that's not what he said uh he's not playing well he has one win in his last six decisions a goals against average of 3.61 on the entire season a save percentage of 888 there are only three goalies Ben, three that have a higher goals against average 10 or more games played at this point two of them play in ottawa which is not all that surprising murray and holberg both there and martin jones in san jose Last I checked, Ottawa and San Jose are not exactly playoff bound. Philadelphia has got themselves a goalie problem. And although Brian Elliott has played well, they need Carter Hart to pick it up a little bit. I thought they were done with this in Philadelphia, right, John? I thought after decades, they finally had their savior in Carter Hart. It's always sunny in Philadelphia, and it's never over with goalies in Philadelphia, Ben. It's, it's unbelievable. And even last year, John, certainly, I mean, that, that – Home record, that difference between his home success versus road was a story in itself. But for the most part, Carter Hart was good last year and he showed himself well in the playoff bubble. He ultimately outdueled Carey Price in a first round series to, to help Philadelphia move on in advance. And there was no indication, there were no signs of worry, I don't think, out of Philadelphia that he was on the decline or that something like this was, was coming on the way. And Look, we're not in the business of directing sympathy Philadelphia's way, but that's a good team, and that's a well-built team. That's a team that, as we know, a year ago when the regular season was paused, they were well on their way. It certainly seemed to passing the Capitals and ultimately finishing first in the division, and the thought coming into this year was that was a Philadelphia bunch that could seemingly pick up where they left off, and 
not to write them off just yet. They're just on the outside looking in here in the East Division. But certainly the goaltending has to improve there for a team that certainly has plenty of offensive depth. Defensive depth, fine, took a little bit of a hit with the abrupt retirement of Matt Niskanen. But that's a good team that needs goaltending, that, that has waited for goaltending and finally appeared to have it only to have this early season hiccup and the sample size growing to your point about 10 games or more for that goals against average stat. But at least they have a savvy veteran in Brian Elliott, someone they can trust and turn to, but I'm not sure that Brian Elliott's necessarily a guy who can take a team on a deep, deep postseason run for them to have success. They need Carter Hart to turn it around. Hopefully it's not this weekend. Yeah. And they've had up front. I mean, they've got guys who can put the puck in the net and it's getting better and better. Joel Farabee has come on the scene you're right. Good team and going to be a challenge for the Caps. Uh, certainly some questions in goal and questions they didn't exactly expect. <laughs> Let's talk goalies on the other side here. This is the beginning of a stretch in which the Capitals will play two in Philadelphia, Thursday, Saturday, finish up the trip Monday in Buffalo. It's a back-to-back coming up. First, we've had in a bit where the teams uh, Monday, Tuesday will hit. So you're going to need both goalies there. But for this Flyers series, I feel like that we can overanalyze it maybe, but Vanacek has the game that he has against the Devils, gets the win, little bit scrambly in the third period, obviously, and now when does Elias Samsonov play? How much does he get? And is this going to be a cream rise to the top situation? Is this a one and one? Is this is going to be 50-50? I think we may get a little bit of clarity here by the time that we get through this Philadelphia series on where the goalies stand right now for Washington. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if the next four games somehow get split two and two still. That being said, it's just a gut feeling. I think you turn to Ilya Samsonov tonight against the, uh, the Philadelphia Flyers. Hopefully he builds off of a very impressive showing at Wells Fargo Center on Sunday night. He was terrific in making those 36 saves. The only reason, John, you wouldn't go to Samsonov here tonight is if you still want to continue to ride Vanacek, continuing to to go back to the larger body of work. The expression that Peter Laviolette has used a couple of times is that he has established himself. And you don't put all the stock in just the third period from the other night against New Jersey. You put more stock in, again, the greater body of work, the greater sample size that he's earned himself, maybe a little leeway, a little leash here. But I think that that leash has to be tightening a little bit. And the fact that Samsonov showed himself as well as he did last Sunday in Philadelphia, I think you got to put a lot of stock in that. Again, maybe ultimately they still split the two in Philly, but I think he gives Samsonov the first game coming up tonight. John Carlson poised to join the 500-point club. would be the 10th active D-man in the league to do it. And from a historical perspective for Washington, Ben, would be a big point as he reaches a milestone that we haven't seen in this organization. No, first defenseman to hit the 500-point plateau. The numbers that he's put up, they've taken another step up over the past couple of seasons, but this has certainly been trending throughout John Carlson's career, an offensive-minded defenseman throughout his years in the NHL. He's always had that offensive touch, but perhaps most impressive, John, is the fact that it's been consistent and even getting better now north of 30 years of age. And it brings to mind somebody from his 2007 draft class, P.K. Subban, a guy who early in his career, who we just saw the other night with the Devils, who early in his career put up tremendous numbers, again, offensively minded, and as his career has progressed, still has the offensive touch, the flair certainly, but the numbers have dipped down a little bit for a guy like him and the all-around game as well. 
has dipped a little bit for a guy like P.K. Subban, whereas with John Carlson, it just seems throughout his career, and again, now north of 10 years in the NHL, north of 30 years of age, or maybe some defenseman playing the minutes that he plays, maybe their game would take a bit of a dip, seemingly, especially the offensive side, continuing to grow. And his defensive game, you know, again, it's not Rod Langway back there. Let's understand that. But his defensive game, still a top-pairing defenseman, top on the penalty kill unit for the Capitals. They're protecting a late-game lead. They're down a goal late in the third period. Either way, you know number 74 is going to be out on the ice, a workhorse that he is, and certainly the offensive numbers continue to impress. And a well-deserved accolade and milestone seemingly on the way as he's uh, on the verge of 500. Huge league news off ice yesterday with ESPN announcing in conjunction with the National Hockey League a new seven-year deal, 25 games that will appear on either ESPN or ABC next season, 75 more on ESPN+. Plus. That is streaming. The league is pivoting toward the future. Less games on cable, but more on the streams. ESPN does that with a lot of their properties already and four Stanley Cup finals, including next season. That'll be the first one that ABC will carry in the United States and even-numbered years through 2028. This has financially been outstanding for the game at somewhere in the vicinity of $400 million a year. That is a big hike from what NBC did as a solo package. There will still be. This is only one half of this deal. NBC expected to still be part of it. There could be other suitors as well. But ESPN is in and in for seven years. And in the United States, that's a big deal for the National Hockey League. Anytime you're you're generating revenue, especially now, given the year and the year plus that that it's been here as far as revenue lost in the NHL and and the cries of of money lost over the past year, and understandably so, for the NHL to, to get this jolt and for the Players Association and the owners, given their split of revenue, Everyone will benefit from this. It's win-win across the boards as far as the revenue that will be coming in and generated. And the other thing worth noting, and I think this is the big thing, the big key about being part of a family like ESPN, is this is more, this is water cooler talk. This is potentially getting the A block of SportsCenter, maybe a little bit more frequently than the NHL has over the last decade plus and becoming more of a talking point among the quote-unquote casual fans. There's a lot of uh, a lot of eyeballs on ESPN and SportsCenter, and obviously, if if one of their properties is the NHL, you know it will be bumped up a little bit in terms of content, in terms of attention, in terms of resources, and all of that. It, you know, c- can only be good for the NHL. And interesting to your point as well that this is not it. There's still going to be another TV partner in the mix as well. So uh, the more the more competition you have among those TV networks as well. Always a good thing as far as the league is concerned. And certainly I think the biggest takeaway is the, the attention potentially the games get on ESPN, not only when they're broadcasting the games, but again, the resources for online, for sports center, for their content across so many different channels and streams uh, only good for the national hockey league in that regard. Really hard to do a deal like this in the middle of global circumstances that have affected so many things financially. So for Gary Bettman and the league, kudos across the board. Uh, And there's more to come. Uh, From my standpoint, hopefully NBC 
I got to believe they're still the lead after having it since 2005, uh, but there could be other suitors as well. Uh, one note, and this might be a little cold water for fans from a local perspective, there is going to be a change. If you saw the fine print in this, the days of local television in the first round are over after this year. Uh, the ESPN deal states that they will have one half of the first and second round exclusively. No doubt the other piece of this television puzzle is going to have the first and second round as well. To accommodate two television partners, you had to expand the ability to have television in the first round on a national level. So for Joe and Craig and every other team, NBC Sports Washington and everybody else on a regional standpoint, the regular season is now going to end coverage uh, and I'm always thankful, Benny, and we hear from so many people on the radio side, uh, the 2018 run that people would, you know, tune into us even with the TV on and hear the local perspective. And we appreciate that. Joe and Craig are as beloved a tandem as there is in the National Hockey League on the TV side. Uh, but the National comes first in a lot of ways because they're the big, big rights holder. And that is one thing of this deal that people will probably not like quite as much, but we're only talking about the first round. Everything else was national anyway. That will be unfortunate because if I'm not mistaken, John, going back a few years ago, did they not have a piece of the second round as well? Maybe the second round was split a little bit going back a few years. So it's, uh, it's a little bit of a death by a thousand cuts there because certainly going back a few years, they had significantly more. But that's unfortunate, but not unlike the NBA. That's what it They're is. They're the only sport. Yeah, I mean, everybody else, nobody, no local regionals in baseball. It's done at the end of the regular yeah. season. Football, of course, is its own animal, and basketball is the same as well. So when the regular season ends, it is a sign of progress, believe it or not. It, it, it is tough for the TV crews who obviously want to do games. Joe and Craig would love to do them all. But it is at least progress as far as when you have that much national interest for your game, that's certainly not a bad thing. You want local, there's decent guys on the radio. Yes, Yes, like if you're here listening to us, yeah. then you can pick us up. So yeah. we appreciate that. We'll Around the uh, Mass Mutual East Division tonight, a lot of games. Again, I like how the games are syncing up here that we always have on the same night. Everybody seems to be playing right now. The New York Rangers are reeling. They need a win tonight in Boston against the Bruins. The Islanders are rolling. They host New Jersey at home tonight. Benny, this got by me because I did not realize, because we haven't seen the Islanders in a bit now, I did not realize the home portion of their schedule and how dominant they have been. 11-0-2, the Islanders at Nassau this year. Goals against at 24, goals for 47. They are smoking teams at home on a regular basis on home ice and now atop the division, two over Washington as play starts tonight. The only team without a regulation loss at home this season, and it's been that way for, for a couple of weeks already, and they just continue – to your point, with that 11-0-2 record, I was not familiar, though, with the 24 goals against in 13 home games. Golly, I mean, they're sound defensively, but that that's like, that's next level. That's less than two goals a game against at home ice. That's, that's really, really impressive for, for Barry Trotz's New York Islanders there. And that's even without, without the raucous atmosphere at Nassau Coliseum. So good on them. If they could slow it down a little bit, though, that might be good news for the Capitals. Caps do have a game in hand, but... Yes, dominant uh, at home are the New York Islanders. Sixth longest win streak in team history for the Islanders as they hit the ice tonight against New Jersey at home. And the surging Pittsburgh Penguins on the road tonight and finally facing the Buffalo Sabres. Eight games that they have left with them. They finally get to meet one another. And Pittsburgh only three back of Washington. 
it just goes to show, as we've been saying all season, when you play within your division and only within your division, life comes at you fast if you drop two or three in a row. Uh, the Rangers are almost completely out of the mix. The Devils are as well. You're basically down to five teams. Philadelphia is fighting that right now and trying to get back in the top four as they face Washington this week. But my goodness, now you've got Pittsburgh facing the Sabres eight times basically in the second half of the season. And you're going to need to keep winning if you're Washington, if you're New York, if you're Pittsburgh, if you're Boston. 31 games remaining for Pittsburgh. More than half of them are against Buffalo and New Jersey. 16 out of their 31 games remaining are against the Devils and the Sabres. See if he could take advantage of that. But they're also playing very well of late. Since uh, Brian Burke and Ron Hextall took over there, they've won 10 out of their last 14 and not much changes, not too many changes to the roster, but maybe just the presence of Hextall and Burke uh, igniting some fire into that team. But playing very well of late and now a little bit, uh, you, have to, you have to still win your games, but certainly a, a soft landing here for the, the Pittsburgh Penguins as they get going in the second half of the season. Standings entering play tonight, Islanders in first with 36, Caps at 34, Pittsburgh three back at 31, sits in the third position. Boston, they've been reeling of late since we saw them on Friday, and in beating up on the Caps, they have lost a couple since. And fourth place, 30 points, Philadelphia in fifth with 29. Benny, what's coming up on Caps pregame later this afternoon here on Caps Radio 24-7? Caps game day coming up at 4 o'clock. We've got a roundtable. We've got Samantha Pell from the Washington Post, Tom Galitti from NHL.com. We'll chat a little bit about the Capitals, of course, and also just as you and I did earlier in the week, John, we're going to go back a year ago this week, what Samantha Pell, Tom Galitti, and collectively the media core in Washington remembers from the abrupt pause of the NHL season, a week unlike any we had experienced ever before, and what the next few months brought to the beat and to coverage of the Washington Capitals. We'll chat with Samantha Pell and Tom Galitti. We'll hear from head coach Peter Laviolette, among others, as well, getting set for the Caps and the Flyers. Caps game day starts at 4 o'clock right here on Caps Radio 24-7, Caps pregame and on the network at 6.45. Caps and Flyers tonight will speak at you then. For the latest on the Capitals and hockey news around the clock. Let's go, Caps! Tune in to Caps Radio 24-7. Listen online via the Capitals mobile app at CapsRadio247.com or ask Alexa to play Caps Radio 24-7 on TuneIn.